This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to Nebraska Preps Postgame with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. That's the big voice guy we love to hear. That means it is Nebraska Preps postgame, and it is truly a postgame as we recap the boys' state finals. And it's uh, a lot going on since last Tuesday when we talked to one another. We were just previewing what was going to start on Wednesday. We blinked. And it's over. And we've got champions from D2 to A. And it was, uh, I don't know how compelling you thought it was or wasn't, but there were some good individual games along with performances. Yeah. Um, had, I mean, had some really nice storylines al- along the way. Um, ha- had a couple good championship games. Uh, wasn't a great day of tight, yeah. competitive, well-played basketball, but th- there were uh, a couple that um, – that went down to the wire. Um, are, are we spoiled? Definitely. Um, I, I think that's part of what this tournament showed, particularly in Class A, just the, the amount of talent that we've had over the years, the amount of talent we've had spread out and at the top and just everything um, for, from that perspective because the, the semis and the final of the last few years uh, have been spectacular, yeah. so high-level. Riveting. This year was a little different, uh, unfortunately. But congrats to Bellevue West for basically doing what they've been doing all season long. Yeah, do you want to start in D2 or do you want to start in A and work backwards? Uh, what do you think? Uh, let's go D2 and work. Right. let's work towards the top with Parkview Christian, kind of doing Parkview Christian things. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, People get on us about the, the similarity between the West Side and Wisconsin logo where the Patriots thing <laughs> in New England. Not a ton of difference with Parkview, but the boy, are, uh, that's a good basketball team. Yeah, and didn't didn't start off. It was kind of a wild game mm-hmm. where um, why not comes out firing, puts up 20 points in the first quarter. Uh, Parkview falls behind. They're down eight after one. 
And then uh, Coach Godwin switched it up, put in a 1-2-2, two, two, um, started don't, trapping don't a little, getting get more aggressive. Um, and held, why not, to seven points in the second and third quarters combined, including one in the second. Took lead at halftime, pulled away in the third quarter, and then managed to survive a furious rally from why not in, in the fourth quarter. Um, Dylan Hine put, uh, put the team on his back, scored 11 points uh, in, in the fourth quarter, had two threes in a three-point play in a stretch to, to cut the, the, the game down to three. Uh, but Parkview hit its free throws uh, and was able to to hold on and pull out the 52-49 win to go back-to-back. Yeah, easy to see the second quarter was the difference for you. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you scoring one point in a quarter, and they, I mean, <laughs> credit to why we not saw, for they. We saw, uh, we saw that a couple of times in the finals where yeah. there were no field goals scored yeah. in a quarter by a yep. team. And that was one of them. Uh, why not they? uh they were not shy about letting it fly from any and anywhere. They got a 35 threes in that game. Uh, unfortunately for them, they only made nine of them uh, for 26%. Uh, and that really was the game because Parkview, Parkview didn't play great. Um, they only hit three threes, um, but uh, they, they outscored them in the paint 30 to 14. Um, didn't, didn't get a great game from Victor Kachalowski, who played uh, a huge role in last year's uh, championship, but uh, Maurice Reed stepped up 17, hit a huge three-point play in the fourth quarter, um, made, made some free throws, uh, and Terrence Pittman, a junior, scored, scored 13 as well, and they almost got a double-double from the big man, Kean Simonson, who had, had 11 points, nine rebounds, and blocked a three-pointer out of a uh, baseline, out-of-bounds play that they drew up was there. A good coming out of, yeah. That was a good play coming out of a break to get that shot off. Yeah. And he just got a finger on it, and that was basically the ball game at that point because they go f- hit free throws and, and the game's over. Although <laughs> they uh, they did hit a three with about nine seconds left, and yeah. Parkview instead of letting the ball uh, or letting the time run out, uh, went and picked it up and chucked it deep. Uh, but fortunately, we saw some th- interesting things happen with inboundsing the basketball this yeah. weekend. But uh, Kachowski went and caught it and uh, dribbled out the clock, uh, and Parkview uh, claimed the crown again, 52-49 uh, in that one, back-to-back for uh, the Patriots. Um, they had a couple key guys that played a role in last year's championship, but they had some new guys as well um, and able to, to get it done with a different-looking group. Yeah, we jumped to, to D1 with Johnson Brock and 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 St. Pat's. St. Pat's coming in as the one seed. I I think most people felt like this one would be pretty tightly contested, and it didn't disappoint. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, not both both teams struggled a bit offensively. You shot thirty-three uh, percent for Johnson Brock, thirty-one percent for St. Patrick. So, uh, if you're a fan of high-paced, uh, efficient offense, this wasn't the game, but it did go down to the wire. And credit to Johnson Brock's defensive game plan uh, and their zone just made it difficult for St. Uh, Pats to get up good looks, to get the ball inside. Breck and Erickson had been a monster throughout the tournament, and they held him to 10 points and just eight shot attempts. Um, just they um, collapsing on him every single time he caught it, did a good job of denying him within that zone. Um, St. Pats struggled with turnovers, uh, just couldn't find the gaps in that zone or making or kind of throwing up for grabs and and Johnson Brock did a good job of getting to the loose balls and, and getting deflections and all that 
Um, and they, they got just enough offense there. Nick, Nick Perry hit a couple of threes out, uh, off the bat. to Yeah, he got off to a good start. I, I, it was amazing, though, because he had the two quick threes early, and I was like, uh-oh, he's kind of feeling it. But to only finish with the nine shot attempts, that was a good kind of adjustment with St. Pat's. That and limited possessions, I think, in that one for both teams is that you weren't getting a ton of shots up quickly yeah and uh again the turnovers held the shot selection down um yet uh johnson brock you mentioned uh period only nine attempts still finished with 15 he yeah. uh, got the got the breakaway layup to seal it um i was i was glad to see that kind of they got the little touchdown long pass and yeah. he went and finished it but he Same said he wanted to dunk it, uh, but he was worried about uh, what his coach would have said if he missed it, so he just went safe and uh, laid it up. Uh, <laughs> you saw him kind of trying to gather his – he was going to time his steps, but he, he went with the little right-hand land too. It was all good. Yeah, and so credit – I mean, they, they led throughout, but uh, built up a big lead, and, and then uh, St. Pat's furious rally behind three-pointers on three straight possessions from Sam Trisinski. Um Stepped up huge, got that thing down to two points there. Um, when they, they were up 10, um, about three minutes into the, the fourth quarter. So St. Pat's could have gone away, but they did not uh, knock down those shots. Um, but unfortunately, they weren't able to, to, to score again in the last 90 seconds there. Yeah. Jump over to C2 where, you know, and it's funny, we'll talk about them because Amherst gave them all they wanted, but you and I. We're a little taken aback in the coaches' poll about a month ago when Freeman got jumped, and we were thinking, wow, they played a pretty good schedule for a good basketball team. Was this right after Grand Island? I can't remember. Was it the Heartland Hoops Festival we were talking about it? Yeah. We were a little surprised at the coaches' poll. Freeman obviously didn't bat an eye at it. They are just people's opinions, and they did what Freeman does, and that's when, that's when a lot of basketball games. Yeah, Amherst just could not find a way to score, score. against them. Just couldn't uh, score. Eight points in, in the first half. Um, just credit to Freeman for uh, making everything incredibly tough. It's a good and basketball team, I think. They were 3 of 16 in the first half, Amherst was. 3 Play, of 16. Pl- played a good schedule. Uh, that, that's a, they were, that was a dominant basketball team. Yeah. They, 27 and 2, I believe they finished? Yeah, or, and won. And I believe they won, won 17 straight. Yeah. Their, their only loss came to Tri County. Yeah. And Tri County uh, at the Mudecas tournament beat three state tournament or state champions, and finished fourth in their own class. They didn't and, even win. The and third ran class into game. a buzzsaw at Amherst, where I think they finished with 19 points in that one. That game was like 36-19, yeah. and I was thinking, oh boy, <laughs> who's yeah. going to be able to score if they get Freeman after they hammered Cedar Catholic? Yeah, and credit to Amherst for sticking with it. They ended the third quarter with a 10-0 run to. to to cut that thing down close and then uh freeman just slammed the door shut it was five it was uh 29 24 going in the fourth quarter uh and, and then freeman just jumped all over him and a couple of uh, uh threes from hayden jennings kind of slammed the door shut and he was uh in addition to their defense was as big a difference as anything um not not a big time score for them normally but uh scored 12 points went four six from three 
um, made up for. I mean, Carter Roos is a really good three-point shooter. Yes. Uh, was 0 for 2. Carter Niles went 1 for 5. Those are kind of your main your main scores there. Uh, in addition, Taylor Petrosky, who did all his work at the, the line in this one. But um, to, to have your normal shooters not hitting shots, you need a guy like that to step up, and that's certainly what he did. Uh, and Coach McLaughlin gave him a lot of credit for being a star in his role. Um, so you had four guys, uh, three with 12 and one with 13. So it's, I mean, Carter Roos has kind of been the guy for them all season long, averaging 19-ish points a game. Um, but this one was complete total team balance. Um, you had two guys with double-doubles in Roos and Vitrovsky. Um And, uh, again, Jennings uh, and Niles led them in the scoring with 13 points. So total team effort there, both ends of, uh, of the court, and just a dominant fourth quarter to, to slam the door shut. And they outscored them 24-11 in the fourth after Amherst did all that work to, to get back into the game. Yeah, continuing along the lines of not very competitive, it was some run for Coach Weeks and his Bulldogs. But I tell you, Ashlyn Greenwood just – I have this strange affinity for the Kissinger family. They they shared the ball so well, suffocating defensively. Boy, they were not to be denied. Yeah, they uh, – really impressive performance. Yes, I mean, goodness. They, Auburn just could not – create looks in the entire game they tried going inside early to Carson Leslie who had had a really nice tournament um hey, he's Ashton, tough against Concordia Ashton Greenwood isn't the biggest team in the world um how about how they defended Ogallala yeah well yeah if you want to go back uh oh. the semifinal there kind of the same thing happened throughout uh this tournament where we like Gager we like Kasky up. they just locked those guys up yeah Kasky had 13 I believe no other Ogallala player had more than one bucket, I believe. Just an unreal performance. Just they could not could not generate an easy look and could not make almost any of the tough looks that they had to settle for. Really impressive performance there to end uh, Ogallala's un, uh, undefeated season. They all the way to the, the semifinal before they suffered their first loss. Credit to them, they bounced back and won the third place game. Uh, so just phenomenal. Yeah, and a toughie over Concordia, which yeah. they, they bounce back and they score like 72 points. You know, and it's interesting. If you're looking at Ashton Greenwood, Jacob, they outscored their opponents 104 to 44 in the semis and the finals. Well, they gave up 72 points the entire Total. tournament. Yeah. 24 yeah. a game. Like yeah, that. Because Sydney only scored 28. Yeah. Like, it, it was just unreal uh, performance by. Um, by, by Ashton Greenwood throughout. And um, obviously last year won the state title with, with Kale Jacobson, um, kind of superstar lean on there, obviously a performance I don't, I, I don't think any of us will ever forget uh, against uh, Carney Catholic there to get him to the title game. And then they had the, the game winner from Evan Shepard uh, in, in the championship. Uh, much less drama this time around. Um, they, they don't have a player as singularly talented as Kale Jacobson, but just the way these guys bought into defending, just up and down the lineup, one through five, everybody um, just sat down and guarded, and Auburn just had no answers. Again, they tried to, to go to inside to Leslie early, and they just, whether it was double teams, whether it was straight up one-on-one, uh, walling up in the post, just had zero success trying to, to establish the post. And from there, things just fell apart. Um, they, their guards couldn't really generate anything. Um, couldn't get open looks. I mean, points in the paint were 40 to 10. Ashton Greenwood, they only took three three-pointers. Oh. Um, 
uh, only hit one. Brooks Gissinger knocked one down from the corner, finished with 16 points and 12 uh, rebounds, and credit his big guys for, for boxing out and keeping uh, the Auburn bigs off the glass and letting him go uh, clean it up there. Um, Cougar Konzim, uh, the other senior, the other returning starter, um, 13 points, didn't miss a shot from the field, uh, and then um, had to come up big in the post after uh, Dawson Teese uh, picked up some early foul trouble. Um, uh, so just Ashton Greenwood, just really impressive performance. Dane Jacobson on the ball. Blake, uh, oh, he's Drake a, Zimmerman. He's, he's that's a handful. That's crazy. You have uh, uh, Jacobson starting on the ball. He's guarding Maverick Binder. Those two have and grown no, up playing no, against each Yeah, know each other very uh, well. And then you bring in Zimmerman off the bench and put him on Binder and slide Jacobson off to somewhere else. Like those two guys are just so incredibly physical. Did the same thing to Gager, um, one of the best players in the class. Had a really nice season. Uh, and just could not generate anything against those guys. Just physical. They move their the, the uh, they move their feet really well. They work hard. Um, just uh, again the phenomenal. We, we talked about W West and their defensive performance. Uh, Ashton Greenwood throughout this tournament um, probably as impressive as anything I saw because we we uh, we thought C one had a chance to to be pretty spectacular. Completely in, in agreement. Ashton we, we talked about it a ton. And I mean. We, we talked about the, the heavy favorites uh, could easily see Chalk uh, in, in the top three classes no matter what, and I, Mike Freeman as well in C2. But um, Wahoo, kind of uh, in the first round, same thing. Inability to make free throws. It just inability to score the entire yeah. time. They just couldn't – nobody on their team could get into any kind of rhythm until – what, what they finished from the foul line, was it 11 of 21 or 11 of 24, something uh, like yeah. that? Yep. Uh, a, I think it was 11 of 21. Yeah. No, I'm so many games uh, trying to keep them straight in my head. But, um, yeah, they, they, they couldn't, couldn't hit from the free throw line. Uh, Missed and the two big ones late. And Marcus Glock was the only one that, that really got going, and that didn't happen until the fourth quarter when they were already down and trying to rally. Mm-hmm. Um, and Auburn had already built up the big lead at that point. So, um, so knock, knocking off Wahoo, kind of second year I thought they had – kind of figured some things out the way they had playing and they were playing at such high level down the stretch. Um, but credit to Auburn for as an eight seed coming in only eight seed to make it out of the first round. And they didn't just do that. They, they made it all the way to championship, really impressive performance against Concordia. That was one of, uh, one of the, the better games of the, uh, the semifinal round, just back and forth, Quentin McCaffrey hitting threes, um, Auburn coming back, and uh, Nixon Lagori was really good. Sophomore I, like, I kind of like Lagori. He's just a pup, too. Yeah. Um, so th- they'll be good again next year with, with Lagori and Binder coming back as their backcourt and uh, figuring out some kind of role players to go around them. But, um, yeah, perf- impressive performance for Auburn. Uh, obviously did not go well for them in the championship game, but to finish as a runner-up, as an eight seed, um, that that's that's a really impressive performance for, for that group. Yeah, one of his better coaching jobs, and Coach Weeks has had quite a few as we we hop over to B. And does your business need an easy competitive financing for trucks or equipment? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the best available rates and terms for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, and trailers. In fact. Customers can get loans up to $500,000 with little or no money down and terms up to 72 months. Currency can also help if you're getting serious about buying a new or used motorhome, fifth wheel, or utility vehicle. Just fill out an application and the Currency Finance team will get to work finding a lender with the most competitive options. It's quick, secure, 
And best of all, it's free to use. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com for details. Boy, this was something. I, I a, a, a back and forth matchup. We asked early on, we said, hey, listen, is this a collision course? But a lot of people are like, hey, not so fast. We kind of like Crete. We kind of like York. Platteview handled York relatively easy, but boy, Crete gave Scott all they wanted. And I actually think, JP, playing that game the way that it shook out down the stretch really helped Scott keep their composure as they trail in the fourth quarter against Platteview. Yeah, and I mean, with Scott kind of down the stretch, obviously they lost in the, the sub-district final round. Um, didn't have some great offensive performances. You're starting they didn't to, shoot it from behind the arc very well against Plavio either. They may have gone 0 for, if I remember right. 0 for 9. Um, yeah, so you, you saw some vulnerabilities there, and then the way that Plavio shot the ball, the way they played in that semifinal round against York. Um, like, this could be interesting here. Obviously, the... The matchup is tough with the size, um, whereas um, Platteview plays basically four six-foot guards, mm -hmm. uh, and then Ryman Zebert uh, about what is he about six five six yeah. six um, as their post. But then you take him out, they bring in another six-foot. Once guy. he got he got in foul trouble, yeah. and it really, I mean, it's no coincidence. I mean, you look at kind of the breakdown and. In just the two quarters alone in, in free throw shooting in the second and fourth quarters, Scott goes 9 of 10 from the foul line in the second quarter, keeps a minute at the half, and then they go to the foul line 13 times in the fourth quarter because they were intent on hammering it inside to get points in the paint. And that's, <clears throat> that's uh, I, I think Coach Jurgens mentioned that just kind of the size eventually wore them down just – between the rebounding, between the feeding it in the post. Um, and, and that's what he challenges guys. Like, yeah, you get off the bus, uh, you, look, you look at 6'8", six, 6'9", six, nine, six, nine across the board. Um, yeah, it looks good, but th the size doesn't really matter unless you use it and consistently and constantly put the pressure on the other team. How about the guy that we talked about coming out of the summer that I told you I liked for ETG? I said Brock Scholl is – is a great find for them. Kind of a late addition from the the original starting roster. Yeah. He shows up on a couple of Saturday mornings at UBT. I told his dad, I said, hey, listen, not only are you going to be a good fit with them, I really like the way you play. Their tenacity between he, he, Healy, and Jake Brack, boy, they were relentless getting these 50-50 balls and crashing the glass. Yeah. And Brock Scholl stepped up 10 points, uh, four rebounds, um, had a really nice play uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, that was key to them kind of taking control of the game. You mentioned Jack Healy, seven points, eight boards. Made his uh, free throws. That was big. That, that was in, in the uh, in the semi. Yeah, five for five uh, after going six for 11 uh, earlier in the tournament. Um, yeah. And he's the guy uh, we talked about Crete pushing Scott down to the wire. Two-point game, um, they got a chance to go tie it, and uh, Aiden McDowell comes out, uh, timeout, gets downhill. Good call. And Healy coming in from the weak side, swats that thing to, uh, to secure the victory. Um, really impressive play, and he's a guy – he had a really great tournament for them. Like, I didn't know, like, coming into the year, like, yeah, 6'9", but, like, outside of that, like, what is he going to give them? He, he had some really nice games um, for them throughout the tournament, throughout the season. He, he really developed into 
a really impactful player for them uh, to go with Jake Brack, obviously, um, and uh, that, that guard play. And um, J.J. Farron uh, had a phenomenal tournament. I, to be perfectly honest, like I've, I've seen J.J. play a lot. Uh, I thought if Scott w- was going to lose, it would be J.J. kind of shooting them out of the game where threes aren't following, kept taking the uh, tough ones. He, uh, after hitting the six threes, including five in one quarter against Creed in the semifinals, did not score from outside, still finished with a game-high 21 points. Yeah, do you know the difference? This is the first time I've seen him over this amount of time do this. He was getting to the rim yeah. relatively easy. Like, his ability to put it on the deck now, and he got fouled a ton. I think he, I think he shot 13. Yeah, I Nine think he 13. shot 13 free throws. And he missed the three three-pointers. But he was 6-12 in, inside of two. And when you let him get to the rim on you, it's going to be a long day because he's primarily known as a shooter. Yeah, and he had the, the key play with the steal and breakaway layup late, yeah. reading the, the passing lanes and, and shooting that thing and taking it all the way. Uh, he also said he wanted to dunk it, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, just clutch plays from him down the stretch. Uh, and Jake Brack finished with 13 and seven boards. Um, we uh, – he, he did. He played. So, so he's one of those guys that – so I, I'm thinking about all the things that, that went right, didn't go right, and there were some tough calls down the stretch from an officiating standpoint. And I get it. I didn't love Platteview's shot selection for a stretch, especially in the second quarter. And a little bit in the third quarter, I thought they took a lot of contested shots. But I was impressed with Scott's energy level in crunch time. I mean, they were trailing a good portion of that deal. And that was quarter 18 to 6 in the fourth quarter. And, and Plavio just couldn't stop the bleeding with them pounding it inside. Yeah, and credit to Scott for their defensive game plan. And Plavio came out uh, – Built up the lead early. Yeah, Mosman uh, on fire. It was what nineteen to thirteen or uh, twenty-two to thirteen early yeah. in the second quarter, uh, and then Scott um, kind of uh, kicked it into gear. Came out, uh, picked picked it up defensively, and um, credit to them for their game plan on Connor Milliken. Finished with twenty points, eight rebounds, five assists, well, but it 21. took him twenty-one shots, yeah. and um, and he talked about too just the the length that Scott has, how that uh, impacts your, your shooting. Because um, you're thinking about it, you got to put extra arc on it, you got to fade away a little bit yeah. farther around the basket. Um, it's tough to get the shots up. And he, uh, he was creating contact, but Scott did a good job of going pretty vertical. There's some like, yeah, maybe he could have gotten a few more calls than he did, particularly considering uh, the one that went him at the end that unfortunately ended his career. But um, a lot of it, it kind of – Connor had been phenomenal throughout the tournament. Combination of sh- uh, shot making and getting to his spots. I thought in this game was the first time we really saw him kind of fall back into the trap that we had seen la- previously in the state tournament where Platteview had kind of come up short where just the, the tough mid-range fadeaways um, going and, in. And still somehow managed the five assists. Yeah. But I'll tell you the thing that I – so there's two things that I liked about him. I just – in the loss, number one, how he handled the la- the fifth oh. foul. It's hard, right? You've had a storied career. You're kind of the pillar in that community. He was very good coming off the court. I, 
for for the Connor Milliken I've known since the third and fourth grade, who's extremely competitive, sometimes volatile. I was pretty impressed with him handling the environment. And the other thing, he was nine of eleven from the foul line, and sometimes that can get away from him in terms of his consistency. But he gets fouled so much. Yeah. You know, he, he kept his composure, and I thought he was good from the foul line as well. It seemed like the five assists snuck up on me. Did it seem like that when you were watching the game play? I know Moseman had a couple of good finishes on those leaky runouts, and you'll take those, but I thought the five assists was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Moseman, I think, was probably the uh, recipient of a few of those. Um, but Yeah, Trey shot it well from distance. Uh, yeah, three of six from three. The rest of the team was three of 16. Um, and yeah. so Connor, obviously, the, we're talking about the, the fouling out. Uh, it was um, well, it was a two- or three-point game at that point. Um, yeah, he and Stewart got the gate in that one. And they, they had a lot of guys playing with, with, with four fouls. And so, so, yeah, so what happened? So, Scott is uh, up – uh, yeah, so they've, they've got the lead here. Um, Jake Brack, uh, so the, yeah, they're up to Jake Brack. They, they force a miss um, on a kind of roll to the rim. It rimmed out. Oh, yeah. They were not, able to, se- they were not able to secure the board between play. Brack and Healy going uh, getting the board back and forth. Uh, and that's when Brack got it, went up in traffic. Three uh, Trojans around him went up and, and missed, but they called the foul. Fortunately, they called it on Milliken. I did not think it was a foul. I didn't either. Uh, the thing is, though, like that's why Connor has to be smart enough to not give a foul. I think maybe his third foul, 90 feet from the basket, just after a rebound, just reaching in. Yeah, from behind. And like, it's still a cheap call. Like I don't know how much contact he actually made, but like you, you, you slap like that, a lot of refs will just call it because um, they're they're seeing uh, that action. Um, so like that's that's where it hurts. Like you. you for a guy like Connor, you can't afford to give away fouls because of his playing style. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one. So the, the the fifth foul was not in their control. Um, that one was. Um, you got to be smarter in that situation. But yeah, the, the foul trouble played huge. And uh, Platteview, they they hung tough even after losing uh, Milliken. Obviously, the, the, they um, Brack uh, put him up. Um, he hit. He split the free throws to put him up three. Moseman comes back, gets fouled, cuts it to one. Uh, J.J. Farron um, hits two free throws with uh, about a minute 15 left, pushes it to three. Ryman Zebert scored a little baseline reverse layup, so they're going back and forth. The, they foul Farron with about 53 seconds left. He hits both, um, and then that's when Farron gets the steal and the breakaway layup, and it's basically a ball game at that point. Um, so – Platteview continue to battle without Milliken, but it's tough without your best player, your kind of offensive engine. You need to be perfect down the stretch when, when you're trailing, and they made the first mistake, and Scott took advantage of it and was able to uh, seal the victory there. Yeah, but. yeah, nobody else had more than four points for Platteview, and when you have, you know, 41 shots between Milliken, Draper, and Mosman, you got to get more from from Alex Draper. He finished with three points on just one of ten shooting. We called him the X Factor. I, I've been saying it all season long, yeah. and unfortunately. Um, the other half of the law firm yeah. is what I like to call Mr. Draper. And he was he was terrific uh, in, that, in that semifinal. Um, 
Milken was great throughout. Uh, Mosman was great early. Um, Draper came live in that third quarter, went three for three. They finished with 17. Um, yeah. the, those three combined, uh, I think it was 12 of 21 from three or something like that, 13 of something like that. Just phenomenal pr- uh, shooting from those three. And you, you, they needed all three of them to be going. And they got two. And, I mean, Connor didn't have a great offensive game either. Um, like I said, uh, from an efficiency yeah. standpoint, but you need you need more than uh, nobody else. I mean, Zebert had two buckets. Uh, nobody else had more than one. Um, so mo- you got 35 points for, from two guys and 15 from the rest. Just not quite uh, going to be enough to to get it done against Scott there. So, um, but credit to Platteview. Like that was w- this one versus two. We did not see them play during the regular season. This was. Um, the kind of game we've been waiting for all season and went down to the wire. Uh, it was a heck of a game, and Scott was able to just pull it out and finish it off after coming up short uh, in in the championship last year. Interesting. Uh, As, uh, you mentioned Milk in the way he handled I just want to mention he actually came into the postgame press conference along with Coach Brodsky, um, the only player on a losing team to do that. I mean, Classic. Pretty, yeah, pretty uh, – I mean, <laughs> he, he was asked to do it because of – who he was and the career he's had, and he was phenomenal in there. Um, just state second time, uh, second all-time leading scorer, leader in Class B, um, nearly a thousand rebounds to go with his twenty-six hundred and some points. Just phenomenal career. Uh, Milken is one of the best we've ever seen, uh, and um, it's been a lot of fun to watch him compete over the last four years. Absolutely, Class B is losing a good one. The state of Nebraska, in terms of all of high school basketball, is losing a good one. And he just happens to be one of my faves. So uh, that one's going to leave a mark. But as uh, as we jump over to Class A, it seemed like just prolonging the inevitable. As Bellevue West has owned Miller North the last five quarters they've played, <laughs> unfortunately for Miller North, this was a continuation of the fourth quarter from a couple of weeks ago, the last time these two teams met. Yeah, uh, about a 20-point game during the regular season. And the way Miller North was playing, you're like, okay. Um, Eli was making good decisions, setting guys up. You had uh, Derek got going in the second half of the semifinals. Uh, Jacob Martin was huge off the bench uh, with double figures in both of the first two on mm-hmm. uh, efficient shooting. Um, uh, Skyline Williams had a great tournament shooting yeah, the ball. Yeah, he really um, – and, and – Shout out to his perseverance. Hadn't always been easy, I'm sure, for him. Fitting in, new role, new guy. Uh, offensively, his game hasn't gone the way that he's wanted to all year. But boy, did he answer the dinner bill, the dinner bell, uh, this tournament. Yeah. So you thought a lot of things going for them heading into this game, and then they missed their first 14 shots from the field. 14. They were down, uh, I believe, 14-2 uh, or 12-2 early in the second quarter. Um, didn't didn't make a shot up until, uh, yeah, it was 12-2. Didn't make a shot until uh, Jacob Martin put back on their 15th shot of the game. Mm-hmm. And just never, like, Bel- I mean, Bellevue Weston didn't play great either offensively. But Miller North just was never able to, to get going and sustain it. Uh, it was 24 to. 24 to 11 at halftime so I mean not not necessarily insurmountable if you could get something going and then Miller North comes out uh of the second half and scoring the first few possessions it's going back and forth it's like all right fine we got some offense 
Uh, there were, uh, I think, uh, 15 points in the first uh, couple of minutes of that uh, of the the half, and then Miller North cooled off. Bellevue West stayed hot and just kind of pulled the, uh, away from there the rest of the way. 23 turnovers between the two. Uh, I think Bellevue West. We've talked about it all year. Um, you and I talked about it right after the holiday tournament. You said, you know what? They just don't give up a ton of threes. And when you don't give up a ton of threes, you said, you know what else, DB? You have to make the easy twos. And we saw in that first quarter in back-to-back games, Westside missed way too many bunnies. They got in their feelings. Miller North missed too many bunnies early. They got in their feelings. Because at some point, you just start to panic a little bit. And I think your shot selection kind of wavers. And then it just compounds because they come at you in waves. Three fresh new bodies. Three fresh new bodies. Three fresh new bodies. Two fresh. It's just like while you're panicking, scrambling, playing from behind, they're pushing tempo, which is why they stretch leads out all the time. We saw it all year. Wash, rinse, repeat. Early lead, panic, cruise control, showtime. Yep. And, again, that's – that's what this program has been under Doug Woodard. The, the faces change. The, the playing style stays the same. They're going to run it down your throat every chance you give them. Uh, and like I said, you just cannot – misses at the rim gives them an unbalanced floor running back the other way. And you've got to be able to, to finish those opportunities. And um, Noah North just couldn't get anything to go down early on. And then at, at that point, I think the confidence starts to set in. Um, you're you're kind of now you're pressing like all right we got to score here and it just doesn't happen. Um, so it just what their starters go. I think they were nine of forty three from the field because Rollins was one of ten. Uh, Moni was zero of five. Gath uh, was two for fourteen. Yeah, and got off to the one of ten start. And Monster just the seven shot attempts. Three didn't of make seven. A three. Uh, Ofer from behind the arc. Uh, and then, you know, Skylar Williams was kind of the lone bright spot. As 16 he cont- points, 5 of 5 from 3. As he continued to be aggressive. Had the best plus minus of anybody that was on the floor for Millard North. But their inability to make three-point field goals, I think, was ultimately the difference. They shot 33%, which at first blush isn't terrible. But when 5 of 5 is ha- happens from one guy – that's typically not going to get it done because they kept their turnovers down. I thought that would be a key. And they turned it over 12 times. And I say only, but with how Bellevue West can speed you up, I felt like they handled that oh, part yeah. of it pretty well. Yeah, without a doubt. It, turnovers weren't really an issue for the most part. It really was just the inability to convert the shots that they were taking or to generate other ones. And mentioned Williams, credit to him. 10 of 12 from three in, in, in the state tournament. Yeah. Uh, that's what they needed from him to make a run to the title. Unfortunately, they just couldn't quite get uh, what they needed out of their, their star players to, to, to make this competitive um, for, for the full game. But, uh, again, it's just a testament to Bellevue West. And, like, as you look at it, like, Nothing. even last year, they're not – in terms of defensive personnel, uh, they're, they're not the most imposing, like you – like, Last year they had William Kyle III, who 
Yeah, um, would protect great shot the blocker, rim. Great, um, great at sliding his feet uh, on switches and all that. They don't have necessarily like Jane Jackson might be the best shot blocker on the team as a six foot guard, um, but they're just so good at being on the same page, rotating around, um, working hard on the ball to make sure there, there's no easy blow-bys, um, and steering you to where they want you to go on the floor and forcing you to, to take tough shots. They were always on a string. They're always uh, on the same page. I mean, they, it was a what, second possession of the game maybe, shots, uh, shot clock violation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that really fired them up from there, and like they, they were just – uh, Doug Woodard um, called this probably uh, said uh, definitely the best, best connected defensive team, the best defensive team he's ever coached in terms of complete buy-in connectivity, just start to finish effort on the defensive end. He's had better individual defenders throughout his long and storied career, um, but in terms of one through nine for, for the guys that that play part of the rotation, no let up when bench guys came in. Uh, even I mean we talked about there's a possession there where uh, uh, Jacob Rope picked up. Uh, oh, yeah, Eli. we were talking off air. Uh, yeah, he was guarding it, full court. And stayed in front, kept turn, uh, moving his feet, kept turning him, uh, ended up forcing pass out. Uh, like you think that's a mismatch. All right, I got to go get a bucket here. And just he, he locked down, uh, sat down, and, and uh, got nothing out of it. So just everybody that stepped foot on that uh, floor for Bellevue West came to play defensively. They were, they were ready to uh, kind of finish this thing off. 29-0, just the third team in Class A ever to – uh, go undefeated, joining Millward South from, from back in the 80s and uh, the Central. Bicoy Central Eagles. Uh, so that's pretty uh, pretty exclusive uh, company there. And um, now, now Bellevue West's team will uh, – again, like you look at the overall talent, like the last few years, I don't know that I'd pick this team to beat. No. Um, the, the Chucky teams and uh, with Frankie and in terms of overall talent. But they – Even some of Coach Woodard's yeah. runner-up teams is like – I don't think so, but listen, there's gotta you gotta be able to say something. Elton Turner just one of three, Jackson Stuvie just one of six. Uh, you know, Dover even Josiah was, on was five, five of, 12. of twelve, and he got the the layups late. Um, you know, a rope one of three. McMorris uh, just had the one field goal make. You look at the stats and you're like, how? But then you go back and you talk about what you just addressed defensively. They. 28% shooting for Miller North. Absolutely. 0 of 12 in the first quarter, 4 of 12 in the second quarter, 5 of 15 in the third quarter, 6 of 14 in the fourth quarter. They just don't give up easy baskets. Well, and gave up uh, just 16 points in the paint, uh, just three second chance points yeah. despite missing 38 shots. And how, how good was Polacek? Huge coming off the bench, 11 points, hit a couple of the threes in the fourth quarter there to uh, slam the door shut on, uh, on them. So, again, we talked about all year long, like defense, depth, uh, number of guys that can step up, and that's this, this final game was kind of a perfect encapsulation of what made this Bellevue West team special. Not necessarily the most talented offensively. They're very good on that end, but it really was the defense, and they're able to send uh, Coach Woodard out on top with his sixth title at, at Bellevue West. Seventh overall, I believe he uh, shared Bizarre, uh, yeah. the dean the, Sh- shared the just, news with he's, uh, he's the man with, with uh, Herdes Sports Mike Sauter afterward that um, that's it he's uh, he's walking away um, time time for a new chapter for Bellevue West and for him he's uh, accomplished about everything you possibly can uh, in that role uh, and 
Uh, I think he's he's happy uh, going out with an undefeated season. And yeah. you could see with uh, when Josiah Dotsler checked out, the, the emotion the, on their faces. Um, I, I don't think I don't know that uh, Josiah knew at that point, um, but uh, Doug certainly did. Uh, and One of the great things about high school sports, we saw the embrace of Coach Brodsky mm-hmm. and Connor Milliken, and the embrace of Josiah Dotsler and Coach Woodard. It, it makes you proud to be a part of state high school sports, man. Without a doubt, two phenomenal players. I had outstanding careers. Definitely going to miss those guys. Tell you what, I'm not sure what we'll do next week, but we'll do something because guess what's right around the corner? AU season. basketball. <laughs> so we'll be together. We'll, we'll bring it to you as best we can. We're just getting started. Going to be another fantastic week. Don't you dare miss it. It's Nebraska Preps postgame. A Heard at Sports Network production.